Welcome to the sixth episode of the Fifth Quarter Podcast with me, David Elliott from Lanyon Group. We're brought to you once again this month with the support of Armagh City, Bambridge and Craigavon Borough Council's Food Heartland. This month we're checking in on one of the most established suppliers to the bakery industry in Northern Ireland, as well as an organisation which ensures a steady pipeline of talent to the agri-food sector, while also helping businesses here innovate. Later, we'll be speaking to Peter Simpson from the College of Agriculture, Food and Rural Enterprise, who explains how he and his team work with companies large and small on process and product development, ensuring they're able to compete on a local and global basis. But first, we're going to hear from John Graham. He's Managing Director of Andrew Ingredients, the Belfast supplier of ingredients to the bakery trade. It's been in operation since 1945 and remains in the Andrew family, which has witnessed the evolution of baking here in Northern Ireland over the years. Uh, John, first of all, welcome to the Fifth Quarter Podcast. Thanks for giving us your time today. Um, The first question I want to ask you, I want to get back to basics. What does Andrew Ingredients do? So we are a bakery ingredients wholesaler um, supplying the Irish market and more recently uh, the Scottish market and the, the DB market as well. We were established in 1945 um, by Bill Andrew, who is the father of our current uh, chairman and owner, Tim Andrew. And, and you are supplying bakers and all sorts can you give us an idea of who supplies yeah, so, I mean, I mean, we, we really cover the the full spectrum of the industry so you know there's the the sort of the, the very the sort of the largest bakeries the the, the plant bakeries that, that we put out sort of the, you know all the, the very well-known pan breads that you would see on the shelves but we you know we we supply right down to people who are making uh you know cakes in their kitchen for weddings and and uh, sort of celebration cakes and all that sort of stuff so really it's it's you know we, we like to deal with everybody and we like to we like to think that we've got the ingredients to support every every part of the industry as well and give us a flavor of those ingredients if you pardon upon you know give what, what are the sort of typical what are the what are the main the main sellers well it's, i suppose there's i would broadly split it into two categories so you've got the sort of the the commodity type ingredients that you know everybody would know well in terms of flour and sugar and margarine and salt and all those sorts of things that, that you know that go into bakery products but we also then have a lot of value-added products as well uh you know so there there can be certain raising agents and uh and then you know there's the sort of bread mixes and specialty cake mixes and and things like that as well so it's it, it's amazing really one of the things that that struck me whenever i joined the company was that amount of different products you know so you sort of think flour is flour but you know there's you know we, we probably have about 30 or 40 different types of flour and they all have their own their own things that they're that they're used for that they're you know the sort of specialities and that would go you know we have a lot of ingredients like that so i think that's probably that's probably our speciality is that we've got that sort of breadth of uh, breadth of range that uh, you know we can we can supply whatever whatever a baker needs big or small we can supply whatever they whatever they want and so your clients range from the biggest bakers in 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 northern ireland or across well, across ireland yeah i mean we, we we traditionally we were uh we were just based in northern ireland but as things opened up in the mid 90s we moved uh we started doing a bit more in the south and then really from the from the mid 2000s we've been we've been in the south south of ireland so we supply all ireland every every part of of the island we, we would supply um and 
Yeah, I mean, the you know, from from the very biggest to the very smallest bakeries that we supply. I mean, the different different customers need different things. You know, so some some of the sort of the the bigger bakeries sometimes have a narrower range of ingredients that they need, but um, we we do supply everybody, and we, um, that's the way we like to do it. And and the retail trade too. Um, the retail, not the retail trade less. So, so we, we're very much focused on supplying, uh, bakers and, and food makers, if you like. So people that are actually making product, we're supplying raw ingredients rather than finished products or rather than sort of retail packs and things like that. But there is, we, we do supply some, we supply some customers that then maybe supply some products on, but the, the vast majority of what we do is, is very much focused on, um, people who are actually making products, food processors and, and bakers in particular. And, and give us a, you, you touched on there the, the history of the, the company. It's been around for, for, for quite some time uh, and it's grown up through the family and is still family owned. Is that, that correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of 75 years last year um, in the business and it's, it was started by um, Tim Andrews' father. So it's, it started out with really one or two products. It was an agency for uh, a fat company, Peerless Fat Company, who through its various iterations we still actually deal with all these years later. Um, and, you know, it was sort of, it was very much focused on, a, you know, providing top quality service and a, and a technically led service as well. And uh, really over the years that we've we expanded that, we've, we've brought new products in and we've really tried to focus in on the, on the technical side of things. And, and I suppose you really, collaborative approach with our customers and their suppliers in order to help you know them bring new products to the market and ones that are relevant and I suppose ones ultimately that mean that our customers are able to, to sell more product to, to the customers as well their customers as well and I suppose that your customers the bakery world has gone from a, a plethora of, of, of bakers of, of all sizes and it's kind of narrowed in, in many respects I can't imagine there's just as many customers as there were say 50 years ago 75 years no ago. that's true and that, i think that's a real shame uh in the sense that probably around the the mid 90s or so whenever the, the supermarkets started coming into northern ireland that did change the industry quite significantly so a lot of the the smaller home bakeries that every time would have had um started sort of uh disappearing and people retired and, and i suppose there wasn't somebody coming behind to take over the bakery so it has changed but having said that we still have a very, very strong local industry, and this goes right across the island um, and into Scotland, actually, as well, of family-owned bakeries. I think the way in which the product gets to the consumers has maybe changed a little bit. So in the past, you maybe would have had a home bakery on every high street, and people would have walked down and got their, their bread and their sodas and wheatens and all that sort of stuff. But now there's maybe there, there still is that and the, and the bakeries the towns that have that are, are much richer for it and, and and those bakeries by and large uh, seem to do very well but we also have a very strong sector here that is supplying into the retail the convenience market so if you think of some of the, the local symbol stores we have a lot of a lot of really good bakeries supplying product into them they might supply their their local area or within a, a certain radius um you know just van sales and, and the products products that go in there are are very very strong um and i mean if you travel a bit a bit more widely whether and in, in the uk or or, or further afield that, that there isn't quite that same uh sort of breadth and diversity of of different bakeries and the local convenience markets i think that that's something that, that we can be really proud of yeah, it's it's interesting. I suppose you know, I suppose Northern Ireland is known for its bread in many respects. But it's interesting to hear that you know actually there are a lot of a, a lot of independent um, bread makers still working away there, and it must be a, it's it's a fascinating industry 
to be involved in as well, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think there, there is still a very, uh, you know, quite a regional slant in the bakery industry as well. Not, you know, if you go, if you sort of go out, out towards the West, you'll see a lot of different bakeries in the shelves and you will in the east of the country and the even the different, you know, the different types of products are more popular, uh, you know, out in, out in the West than there would be in the East and vice versa. So, I mean, it's it's still, I think there's still a very rich, uh, a very rich culture um, and one that, you know, I think is worth sort of protecting and, and promoting for sure. Um, it wouldn't be um, a, a business podcast at the moment, John, if, if we didn't ask how COVID over the last 18 months has impacted your business you know you're a, you're a big employer um you you were you were supplying a sector of the food food industry that at the time of the when covid initially broke where it was there was a big spotlight on it and people people struggling to get their bread then people turning to making their own bread uh, how did that impact your business because i can't imagine it's been it's been plain sailing for the last 18 months no i mean it's been a really uh, incredible sort of 18 months or so just the, the the way the market has gone i suppose if you go back to the start of the pandemic and the sort of particularly april and may stick out in my mind of, of 2020 it had a very significant impact on the business we had a lot of uh, the customers particularly smaller customers actually that decided to close the government's furlough scheme was brought in i think that you know a lot of bakeries can be quite uh, relatively small environments and i think it was just that uh, people needed to, to sort of get to grips with social distancing and how they were going to manage their their businesses with with covid so yeah i mean we we had quite a lot of customers that that were shut during that period but um really towards the the end of may or mid-june certainly last year people started customers started opening up and the demand from the consumers for the products was huge. I think it probably always was, even even throughout the April and May period. But um, so you know, whenever they started opening up again, there was actually a very strong bounce back. And really, since then, you know, we have been we have actually nearly been uh, just trying to keep up with with the uh, with the demand. I think our, our customers have. Uh, uh, I think the value I think of of the local high street bakery, which I talked about earlier, has really come to the fore over the last really twelve months or so since since they opened up again. I think people really start to appreciate how how good it is to have a have a local bakery um, and the, and the guys that are they're supplying the local convenience stores with the, the high quality products that you know how important that actually is so it's you know the bakery industry has been has been right at the front because it's a staple product is a product that people have really valued having and having good access to and um the industry really has has reacted amazingly in order to, to keep the shelves as well stocked as a have really without missing the beat throughout yeah, that, again, that's interesting that, you know, I suppose people working from home, um, like myself, a lot of the time, you do tend to, uh, and certainly have over the last, uh, since the COVID pandemic began, you start to, to seek out the sort of local suppliers that maybe because you weren't at home, you didn't get the chance to to, to visit. And, and yeah, bakeries are, are, are exactly one of those and one of them, which I know I, I have. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of uh, change to, to the industry um, that I'm sure, you know, you've been benefiting from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. No, it's. Uh, it, it, I think it's it just as the the importance of, of the industry and, and those products, and I think the nostalgia and the, the comfort that has brought people. Uh, you know, having having products that maybe they haven't uh, haven't eaten as much, but been able to go down to the, the local bakery or local shop and get get really fresh products has uh, has been a, a brilliant thing. Um, another topic 
John, that we can't ignore um, is is the one beginning with B and, and, and Brexit. I know there's virtually no no melon wheat. I'm sure there's a lot of other um, products that that you can't get that you supply in Northern Ireland that have to come across um, the REC. How how has Brexit? How has the protocol impacted your business? And how have you got around any any of the issues you faced? Uh, yeah, there, there's there's two sides to it. I suppose I've been complaining to anybody who'll listen about Brexit the, the, the last uh, sort of six months or so. Um, I think in terms of the, the flow of goods, uh, you know, we've managed to, we've managed to sort of to, to, to get the grips with that okay. So um, I would hope that a lot of our customers wouldn't, wouldn't have noticed any significant difference. Um, the products have been flowing in okay. Uh, lead times have increased and our stock holding has had to increase in order to make sure that we're in stock. The bit, I suppose, that is, has been most frustrating is the just the sheer bureaucracy involved in it. It's just maddening, really, and, and it just seems futile, the, the bureaucracy that's been brought in. And that really has an impact on us as a as a business in terms of us. You know, we, we need to bring extra resource in and extra cost and and, and a, a quite a bit of extra management time as well to try and to try and get the grips with it. And it's not really bringing any benefit. It is just pure pure red tape and, um, and bureaucracy. So it's it's very frustrating, I suppose, that you know that that I think a lot of businesses in Northern Ireland, particularly the sort of the the small and medium sized businesses that you know they don't have you know big departments or you know to, to be able to, to be able to take on this burden that you know we're i think a lot of this bureaucracy and a lot of the paperwork is sort of being thrust upon us and we're, we're all just sort of trying to trying to get the grips with it The you know within northern ireland the, the gbni trade is generally a sort of a, a small i suppose a small load size trade if you like so you know if you if you think the system as it's as it's set up or in my view as it's set up is it's almost like a as if there, there's containers going into Rotterdam, um, you know, and with maybe two or three products on it. And, and in that sense, the, the system would probably be okay. But with the GBNI trade, you know, you've, you've, we bring in mixed pallets of things. There could be 20 or 30 different products on it. And some of them will be of animal origin. Some of them, uh, you know, will have other, other conditions that might be attached to them. And that all needs to be documented for really, you know, commercially speaking, a very you know a, a very small part of the of the single market. So yeah, that's been that's been really frustrating uh, because I just just feel like you know we we have been tied up doing things that really that would be much much better doing to support the the bakery industry and and I suppose to, to try and bring greater economic benefits to to the company and to Northern Ireland. But it is what it is. I hope I hope that they will negotiate some improvements to it. And um, um, I think a, a bit of a commercial eye and a a, a bit of sort of in, engagement with business about how how systems could be brought in that would be more workable. I think would be would be very very welcome indeed. Is there any benefit for you, John? Do you know has it has has that red tape prevented any GB competitors? Um, shipping stuff across you know and are you able to benefit from that at all or, or is it solely a, a, a you know a hit to your bottom line there's certainly yeah i think in, in the longer term you could uh you know, things like that there could be a benefit albeit i don't you know to me that's not a that's not a great benefit in a way you know it's just a it's just a sort of a barrier um and at the end of the day i think competition was you know we all wish we didn't competitors but i do think it's good for it is good for the industry and it's good for for business generally that that there is sort of a competitive environment and um 
you know, there, there, there may well be upsides along those lines. Um, certainly are. I mean, our business has been good for us in spite of Brexit, but yeah, I, I still, I still don't see, I, I see more downside than upside at the minute. But the key thing is really from our perspective is that we're, um, that we're taking on those burdens and our, that our customers are able to, to get products and supply the consumers ultimately, uh, you know, as normal. Um, and we're, we're happy to sort of to take that on and, and try and wade our way through it in the, in the short and medium term. And hopefully with the conversations that are going on now between Westminster and, and the EU, they'll, they'll come to some sort of agreement that makes life a little bit easier for you trying to import a, a, a pallet with a, a few different things on it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a bit of goodwill um, between both sides would, would go a long way. I think that we have spoken to representatives of both the EU and, and the UK government, and I think I think there is a genuine will there to try and get something that's workable. But I think a lot of that has been lost in the in the politics of it, and just the sort of the hard negotiating stance that has been taken. But you know, Northern Ireland is a is a, a very small part of the overall jigsaw. So, I mean, hopefully, if there's a bit of bit of goodwill on, on both sides, that uh, they might come to something that is acceptable, both both to Northern Ireland business, but also you know, importantly to Northern Ireland public as a whole um, as well. Um. So, so you know, you've you've navigated the company through possibly one of the most difficult periods um, uh, that anyone has ever seen in in, in Northern Ireland business and in, in global business. What next uh, for Andrew Ingredients? Where you know where where do you go now, and what's the direction of travel? Well, I suppose there's there's a couple of things. I mean, the the, the bit that we're very focused on at the minute is the sort of collaborative and, and innovation uh, approach with our customers, and we we launched it sort of got hit by COVID quite badly, but we uh, we we launched a concept which is which we call Work With which is really um, all about collaboration. So we have our own test bakery downstairs and we've invested further in that with a, a sort of a collaboration hub, a meeting, a meeting area where, where really it's a creative space where we're, we're bringing together our customers and our suppliers and ourselves and, and all our ingredients and the ideas that we all work with each other. So we work with our customers, we work with our suppliers, we work with the ingredients, we work with uh, our technical team here to try and, to try and bring new and innovative uh, products to the market. So that's a big that's a big thing for us. That's really exciting and something that we're very passionate about because I think that for the industry, I think innovation is really uh, is really the key to the future to make sure that the that we're that we're sort of recognising and protecting the products that are that are traditional, but also making sure that we're keeping up with changing tastes and consumer trends. So that's a big that's a big focus for us uh, across all the markets that we operate in. We also started supplying the GB market on specifically really the Scottish market. Uh, that's a market that, that we're focused in about two years ago. And that, that's been a really interesting and, and exciting market as well, sort of similar similar to the Irish market, but also with, with some differences. But, you know, a really rich uh, baking history there, uh, really, you know, a lot of companies that have been in the industry for a very long time and a lot of, again, very passionate people, um, and you know that's been that's been really that's been a really good uh, a good move for us to be able to go there and, and start trying to bring to that market uh, what we do here in Ireland. And what's a, what's that experience of you know because we often talk uh, in this podcast and many others as well about the experience of exporting for the the first time and I suppose you you are exporting down south but breaking into Scotland you know is a, a different proposition you're having to having to cross the sea for a start. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, 
it's not without its challenges, um, but it is uh, at the same time it is exciting and it is fun and you know and that's really what uh, I think uh, a lot of businesses about is trying to is trying to do things that actually you know excite excite the company and and really that I suppose. What I would say is that it wasn't certainly wasn't as easy as what we we thought it would be. You know, if we can just take what we do in Ireland and move it to Scotland, you think, well, you know, we'll we'll be able to we'll be able to go with the business fairly quickly. But it's not as easy as that. I think there's a lot of um, that the personal side of things is still very important, and you know, so we have got our own business development manager in Scotland, and um, but you know, they actually get people to change suppliers. Um, and the sort of I suppose to sell our story um, and, and what we can bring and what we can do a little bit differently. You know, we get there, but it does it, it doesn't just happen in one visit. You know, it, yeah. it does take that that uh, uh, you know you have to you have to spend time and work with and build up those relationships. And that's very much as a company what what we're um, what we're all about is so as a sort of the, the personal relationship with with our customer base and, and trying to really understand their needs and and uh, and sort of deliver value that is useful to them very good and tell me the innovation um, kitchen sounds intriguing what will you give us an example of some of the sort of products that, that they're coming up with um and the, the reason i ask is because the lanyon office back door backs onto the, the pastry kitchen of the grand central hotel so probably <laughs> like you I, i'm smelling all these beautiful pastries being made every all day every day uh, and unfortunately we don't get many many thrown next door to it but yeah, maybe yeah, we do, and that is a, that is a that's a bit of a challenge sometimes because there's the, the smell. I, my office is right above the bakery, so the smells just float up to me, and uh, particularly just after holidays, oh. and you're trying to to, <laughs> to, to be good. Uh, it's hard, but yeah, it's uh, as I said, something that we're that we're uh, that we're very excited about. I think it can take various forms, you know. So it can be something as simple as a customer saying that they're having, a, you know, a, a bit of a problem with the product, and and can they come in and have a, a look to see how, how they can get it to work better. But I mean, we've had some really um, really interesting projects in the sort of the vegan space where there's been sort of trying to develop a product, vegan products that that really stand up against their non-vegan competitors if you like you know so maybe if it's a, a cupcake or a tray bake that actually you know you're creating a, a vegan product that even somebody who's not not a vegan if they taste it they'll like it they'll enjoy it and you know it's not that's not without its challenges you know there's uh, there's a lot of the key ingredients that go into bakery that are functional and you know you can't just take them out and either leave them out or, or not replace them with something so there's an awful lot of test baking required there in order to, to get that to the, to the right standard and another sort of area that we spent a lot of time with is the, the sort of the, the donut trend which is massive at the minute yeah. um, you know a great example of taking a very traditional product uh, that has been in and around bakeries for decades really but you know some of the innovation that's gone on there in terms of creating you know products that are just really incredibly indulgent and, and creative in terms of the, the type of flavor profiles they, they get and the, I suppose the, the speed with which they bring out new products and, and you know test and trial different different products different flavors and that's that's really been that's something that, that we probably saw starting um, down south particularly in around the Dublin area and, and sort of over the last three year or two it's uh, it got much bigger in the north here and it seems to be that there's you know there, there's still plenty of uh, Still plenty of mileage in the trend yet, so um, that's that's very exciting. And I think there's that type of innovation is 
is really interesting where you're taking traditional products but just sort of bringing them making them more relevant to the, the sort of the current market and trends today yeah really interesting stuff um and john just on your own you're an accountant by trade you, you've moved into this yeah. agri-food sector in in northern ireland what's it like to work in because a lot of the time we talk about how it's kind of do you know it, it it's uh, it's underestimated about how vibrant how you know we've just talked about how innovative it is and things that that you guys are doing it, it really is quite something to be proud of and uh, uh, would you agree food is in my background i suppose my, my dad owned the source delicatessen and and the center of belfast there so i i grew up with food so why is sort of um I ended up in accountancy, um, and you know, I, I, I did that, and, and I trained as an accountant, and then and then worked in practice for a number of years, but then uh, went into into the food industry after that. So, um, I've always I've always sort of had a, a an inkling that I would end up in the food industry because it's something that I love, and our our family, my mum's a very um, you know loves loves cooking, um, and it's something that as a family we have always been very interested in. So, you know, I I. I love it. I mean, it's always been it's been something that, that I've been very interested in. I love food, and I think, particularly over the last sort of uh, ten or fifteen years, the, 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 the I think Northern Ireland and Ireland is really starting to get the recognition that it deserves um, in terms of the, the the output that we have here and the quality of the ingredients that we have, and and indeed the quality of the processors as well. You know that we've got a lot of a lot of companies that really you know maybe only. 10 or 15 years old that have that have gone on and you know they're innovating and they're creating products that are selling right across the UK and, and further afield so I think you know we, we do have the the passion here we do have the industry and I think there is beginning to be that recognition that this could be a real driver for for economic growth and, and for innovation it's not all about high tech and um you know, I think that has its place, and I think that's important for economic growth. But you know, the, I think the, the the level of employment and economic profitability and growth that the food industry and the agri food industry can bring, I think, is is, is fast. Um, I, I was I was going to leave it there, but I can't I can't not ask you about Sawyer's. I mean, it must have been amazing because you know what a, what a place. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I mean, some of the uh, some of the things that I tasted as a, a as a you know, as a child, basically, <laughs> pretty amazing. You know, there was like a, I had kangaroo and uh, crocodile and stuff like that. You know, at that stage uh, that we, we were selling that, and uh, so you know, and wonderful cheeses and fish, and you know, really, really uh, amazing products. So the only downside was that I was probably about eighteen before I got to taste uh, an apple that wasn't bruised. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> family company. Uh, and it wasn't good enough for for customers to eat made its way home. So that was uh, it used to be boxes of fruit coming home every night, and then that, that was what we got. So, uh, but and how long did your father own it for? Twenty years. Twenty years. He actually sold it to uh, a guy that joined him. I think at about he was about sixteen years of age. So ultimately, that that's he owns it now. Uh, Kieran Sloan owns it now, and, and has taken it on uh, further again. It's grown, and it's it's really it's amazing to see how far it's come as well over the last sort of 10 or 15 years well no better example of a, of a, of a company that really shows off the best in northern ireland produce so yeah great yeah. to hear i had no idea no idea 
Um, John, listen, that's been fascinating. So thanks so much for your time to hear about to hear about under ingredients and also also to hear you were behind the uh, Sawyer's legacy. So um, uh, <laughs> thanks uh, thanks for your time, and uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, thanks, David. Great to hear from John there about a company which is truly a stalwart of the local agri-food scene. Next, it's over to Peter Simpson at Caffrey's Lockery Campus to hear how it is ensuring companies here are keeping their cutting edge. Thanks for joining us on the podcast um, today. It's it's really interesting to hear a bit more about what you do and what the college does. Can you kind of fill us in on that and just... You know what, what? What's your day day to day job, and uh, and what do you look after? Okay, so uh, I work for for Caffrey, which many of you know is the College of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Enterprise. And basically, our, our remit is to develop the competencies of, and values of those who are about to enter, as well as those who are already working in the agri food sector. We're part of DERA. Uh, we have staff, uh, CAFRI staff across Northern Ireland, about 400 altogether, but we're mainly based uh, at three campuses, uh, Greenmount, Nantrum, Enniskillen and Fermanagh, and uh, Lockery here in Cookstown. Uh, overall, we have about 1,700 full-time students um, from level two up to postgraduate level, and we have we work with around 3,500 agri-food businesses. So, so my role specifically is based here at Lockery Campus and my team look after those who are already working in the food industry. So my team work with around 250 food, drink and packaging businesses every year, um, helping them to adopt the latest technologies through tech transfer. And that really involves taking research, taking new ingredients, um, looking at product innovations, process innovations, and showing companies actually how to go about doing it. So what we're doing, trying to do is, is, I suppose, is underpin economic growth. When many people ask us what we do at, at, uh, at Lockery within the food technology branch, I often refer back to the old saying, if you can remember the old Jacobs advert about who puts the figs in the fig rolls. I think we can pretty much do that here. <laughs> so that's the easiest way to describe what we do. We're able to take technology and actually put it into viable process using both our knowledge and both the facilities that we have here. And is is that a pull-push relationship with business? You know, do they come to you or or do you do you come up with new ideas and then go to them with, with the suggestions? It's a good question. The, the majority of, of work comes our way with food companies who have, you know, Particularly the established food companies will come to us with something they've seen, where the smaller SMEs and artisans will come and ask us how, how, we, how we do. And uh, so we, I suppose through our connections and, and word of mouth, we don't really have to go out and, uh, and, and, and sell our wares. Um, we are, we're, we're busy. We, we deal with around, I suppose, about 4,000 uh, technical requests every year um, from all sectors and all sizes of businesses. So our, our typical inquiries would be around things like um, quality systems, new product development, process development, um, factory design, legislation and labelling. So we're able to, to signpost or, or 
give companies advice on those issues. And if we can't do it, we have really strong connections connections with you know universities, other government organisations, other government departments, councils who will be able to able to help as well. So it's a good little ecosystem that we're we're very happy to be part of. And presumably, the overriding aim of that is is to to increase innovation amongst the agri food sector, make them more efficient, make them able to compete in a global market. Absolutely, and you know we have that opportunity now. I've been in the sector for a fair few years now, probably twenty twenty five years, and you know we really have moved away from being a commodity based sector to doing some really interesting. We talked in the old days about added value, but really we're going beyond that now. You know, we're, we're, we have some fantastic, um, innovative products and processes out there. So, I, I mean, when I when I think about that adding value, um, one of the great examples is Mass Direct, you know, that's taken a, a commoditized product, cooked it, added a, a little bit of something extra and, 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 and really added value. Give us an example of some of the others that you have helped, perhaps. Yeah, well, as a... As a as I say, we, we deal with, um, we work with about four, 250 companies every year, which is about 80% of the sector. Uh, and we give them technical advice, whether that's advice, or, and we do some tangible work, whether that's doing some trials or some analysis. There are quite some really exa- good examples that have been in the, are in the public domain or, or products we've done, we've, we've worked with recently. Um, I can point to a couple. We've been in the press recently. We've had... Uh, We've had a company called Spear and Arrow who are doing fantastic things, making bone broths. Oh, we've had we've had the opportunity to work with a couple of Ulster rugby players. Uh, the company is called uh, Hellbent. Ah, right, okay. Um, we've also, you know, we, we've been working with companies on uh, things like insect uh, proteins. So, you know, as I say, we cover we've covered all sectors from drinks to meat, dairy, general foods. And we're almost at stage now where going beyond added value and we're, we're looking at things where we can make circular products so we can work with companies, and take, take waste streams and make them into food products as well. So that's, that's something, that's an area that we're getting into, which is, which is really, really interesting. And that, that kind of sits really well with that sustainability agenda, which is just rising up the, rising up the importance level. I mean, we're part of DARA, and DARA have an overall uh, green growth strategy that, we, that we're part of. Each part of DARA can play its part. And from, from my point of view, that's all about reducing the amount of waste we produce. It's about making our businesses more efficient. It's about reducing things like plastics and all of those kind of things. So, yeah, we have, we have our part to play, certainly, on, on the environmental side. And, and we were talking beforehand, packaging is an area that you guys look at as well, which maybe, you know, on the face of it, people wouldn't think that that's, that's something you need to be involved in, but it's so, so important um, in this modern modern day for the, the food sector. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, you know, we, ha- we have at, uh, on our campus here, probably one of the, one of the best packaging centres uh, on these islands where we specialise in not only um helping companies look at composites and look at different films which are more environmentally friendly but we have the ability to analyze the performance of packaging test how food moves in transit and all sorts of other other things so yeah we've seen an increase if if i can look back over the last two or three years we've certainly seen a tenfold increase in the amount of work we do on the packaging side 
there's a huge interest in it. I think uh, David Attenborough has a lot to to answer for on that one, though. <laughs> yes, he's. It's really consu- It's 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 consumer driven, David. You know, and you know, consumers are looking to companies now to see what they're going to do, and government is introducing legislation to try and encourage um, the manufacturers to decrease the amount of plastics they're putting. Yeah. They're putting to, to to landfill, so that's a very important area for us. We think interesting the power of the consumer in in, in many ways, and, and interesting how companies have come around to the fact that they need to react to the consumer if they're to to, to grow sales. Absolutely, absolutely. And we see that in, in other in other areas. A, a big area of work that we, we we do is in product reformulation and on the dietary side, where we're trying to you know we're cons- consumers want to reduce fat, reduce salt. They're just sugar, but still want their product to be really tasty. And uh, that's not as simple as it sounds. And that's a job for food scientists or food technologists to try and make that happen. And that's a big part of what we do here. Has that the process of what you do changed over the years? Um, you know, obviously, because there must be a, a huge amount of knowledge that you guys need to keep on top of and need to need to be at the cutting edge of as, as the industry evolves. Yeah, I mentioned before that we've gone really from a commodity-based economy to to almost having every every food business in Northern Ireland doing some sort of innovation or product development. A, a great deal of our work now is around product development, and increasingly now on the process development as well. You know, as well as making new products, making the existing processes we have safer and more efficient. So that that those are the the kind of direction that we've been going in for the last the last few years. It must. I mean, you're you get to talk to, as you say, you know, countless agri food companies throughout Northern Ireland every year. Um, it seems to be a sector that is really vibrant and, and is filled with with innovative people and people that really want to want to make their mark on the sector and want to get the product out throughout the world. You know, you see Northern Ireland products in the, in the supermarket shelves and the. In the in the menus of, of of places throughout the world, it must be be quite heartening to to see that process unfold. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, I've, in the last couple of years, I've been lucky to. I was lucky enough to travel to to, to Hong Kong because we have a relationship with a uh, with a, a, a another food uh, food college in, in Hong Kong itself, and uh, it's been very interesting to see the the. the the penetration of Northern Ireland products into that market, because that's the gateway to one of the biggest markets in the world. And, uh, if we can crack that, then we're in a good place. But the observation I brought home from there was that, you know, Northern Ireland prod- produce carries the provenance and the wholesomeness and all of the, the desirable attributes that those consumers are after. You know, it's uh, that's that's high up in their, their priority. Having to see if wholesome food and... Uh, Northern Ireland's in a really good place to be able to offer that. Yeah, and, and I suppose it's also, and we talk, touched on it earlier, it's it's also in a good place to be able to offer sustainability as well when it comes to to, to a global um, competition for 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 place on the supermarket shelves. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, it rates pretty highly. I mean, coming from from Hong Kong and, and getting that view of Northern Ireland, you you must look pretty highly on the sector as a whole. No, absolutely, and I think I think we're we're in, in a good place. Um, you know, the latest report shows that we're now a five billion pound industry. So you know we're doing something right if, if we're if we're going in that really positive direction. And I think we're we're really well placed to tap into these international markets. We've shown ourselves to be really really resilient. We've had a very tough 2020, 2021. We've had to deal with 
uh, EU exit and deal with uh, COVID-19. But, you know, the industry, I think, has come out of it uh, in, a, in a very good place. You know, I think on reflect, people will reflect back on the food industry uh, as, you know, these people are heroes. They've been able to keep the food supply chain going. We've been busy throughout the pandemic because we've noticed that there's a huge amount of innovation has been going on, which has actually taken us by surprise. There's been a huge demand for our industry training courses where companies are very keen to get their staff trained up during these times as well. So um, if we can come through what we've come through in the last couple of years, I think we're, we're, we're in a really good place. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely so. Um, just on the training, can you give us a, a, a flavour of the kind of training that you offer? Yeah, we do, uh, as well as obviously having our full-time education programmes here, we do short industry training courses for the people who are out there in the sector. So you'll be familiar with the, the, the food safety training and health and safety training and things like that. But we do a lot of bespoke training on everything from um, food vulnerability analysis, HACCP auditing, meat skills has been a really uh, popular course in, in the last year. But what's been remarkable is that we've had to actually had to pivot. Our, our One of our strengths has been to be able to deliver this in the companies, in the classrooms and face-to-face, but we've had to pivot our business in the last uh, 18 months to, to move everything online and make it as good as it is if it's face-to-face. And I think we've, we've managed to do that. Um, but again, just a huge demand. And uh, I think companies are, are looking really to invest in, in those staff and, and give them those qualifications. And presumably the online skills that you have learned now will, will bode the college in good good stead in the future when you're able to have physical and online courses? Absolutely. I mean, Caffrey's, Caffrey's big selling point is learning through doing. And, you know, we, we would never be a college that would pivot to a, a totally online delivery. That would never happen. Our preference is to have bodies in our world-class facilities, making making products, learning by doing, and that's where we want to be, and that's where we want to get back to. Yeah, you know? yeah and hopefully hopefully we'll get there um, soon enough with any luck. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, Peter, thank you so much for that. It's really interesting to hear the work that you, you're doing. It, it's obviously invaluable to, to, to the sector. Um, what would a, a, any sort of small agri-food business listening to this that needs a bit of help or, or wants to tap into your knowledge? What, what, what's the process? It's, it's very straightforward. Uh, the first port of call is to get our details. We've, we've just recently uh, updated our, our CAFRI website, www.cafri.ac.uk. Uh, so we have all our educational information on, as well as the, uh, as the industry support information. So that will direct them to uh, our, our contacts. And uh, again, I'll, I'll emphasize the fact that we, we work with all other government bodies uh, to pull in things like funding through innovation vouchers and innovation funding to, to maximize the impact of, uh, of any intervention we make. So we'd be very happy to talk to anybody. Uh, so don't don't be afraid if it's a, if it's a really weird and wacky idea. We'll, we'll give from free, free confidential advice to, to anyone who wants to be serious about a, a food idea. I'll be picking up the phone just after this, this interview. <laughs> That's good. Peter. That's good. David, I have to give a plug as well to uh, just at this time of the year, this is the time when, when students become interested in future careers. And uh, I have to say from my own perspective, um, there's never been a better time to enter the food industry. It's exciting. It's dynamic. 
and there are probably jobs out there that uh, that that probably don't exist yet, but will whenever people graduate. Yeah. So uh, get in touch before September, and we'll find a place. Good, good advice. Good advice, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, I can I can vouch for that. It is a great it's a great industry to be involved in, and and to find out more about. So. Um, You'll, you'll be they'll be knocking down your door before long Peter I hope so listen thanks so much um, it's been fascinating talking to you and um, just hearing the work that you do so good luck in the future and um, I hope um, A-level results next week follow with a lot of students um, at the door so thank you thanks David Thanks to Peter for great insight into an organisation which is so important to our sector's future. With that, our sixth episode of the Fifth Quarter podcast comes to a close. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please do get in touch if you want to tell us your agri-food story. I'd like to thank Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council's Food Heartland for their support once again and to all our contributors for their time. And thank you for listening and look out for our next month's episode.